We are now going to get into our series. So get your notebooks ready, get your Bibles out, and get ready to hear a word from God. being here, our, our time where we open God's word, we are joined together as one church uh, here in Dover, uh, Milton, Plymouth, and online. If you're here, we just welcome everybody who's joining us for the word this morning. I want to thank you so much for being here last week. If you were online and you weren't able to join in, I apologize for that. We dove into a topic that we that many want to avoid, that many are afraid to handle, and many are feeling a pressure to abandon scripture on. And so we were in person only. Uh, honestly, probably the main reason is we thought we might get flagged by Facebook and YouTube, and it would uh, hinder our ability to show our services online in the future. We will have many more conversations like that. Now, last week we went really long. Normally our service is an hour and 15 minutes approximately. The time I talked with a couple of guest speakers was an hour and 20 minutes. So we're gonna try to move fast today. So if the band would come forward, I'm just kidding, but they are gonna come forward here in just, in just a short amount of time because uh, anyway, uh, we are in a series Today, starting, uh, starting our yearly Kingdom Builders series is one of our most exciting times. We have our miracle offering coming up on November 14th, and it is mind-blowing every year what God does in a single Sunday to move his kingdom forward. Miracle offering is a time when everybody in our church, even our kids, we bring forward our a financial gift to kingdom builders, and we don't ask, we don't tell you what to give, we don't ask you an amount to give. What we tell you to do is to begin praying and asking God, what do you want me to give. Some of you, he wants to stretch you. Some of you, he wants to do a miracle through you. Some of you, he just wants to start a journey in you. Just begin to ask him that. Begin to talk to your spouse. What are you thinking we should do? Has God told you anything? And just begin to be obedient in him with that. Here's what happens. Here's what will happen. That miracle offering will be a miracle as it has been uh, the, the, the last few years that we've done it. And so that's coming up. So we're going to begin just talking about it. And today I want to talk quickly about the heart of God. In 2002, I, you know, I started in the church here in 2003. I got hired on staff. But in 2002, I was interviewing at churches. I was sending out my resume and just trying to figure out, God, where do you want me to be youth pastor at? And there was a, a volunteer youth director here at Restoration Church, so it wasn't an option for me. And I uh, just began to think, God, where are you going to relocate me to? And it was definitely a season for me of kind of wide-eyed wonder. I was very excited about stepping into 
my first past pastoral role, and I served as an assistant to the youth pastor previously, and I'd seen seen God do some pretty amazing things in the at the church I was just at, uh, which was down south, and I was really excited for God to do that up here in New England. I was, I mean, I was thrilled, I was ambitious, I was energetic, I was ready to go, and I ended up at a job interview in New Hampshire. It, it was at a church that's at, at least an hour away from any of our locations. And at that interview, it was with the pastor and with the board of the church. I was surprised as a young, I don't know how old I was, 20, 21 year old, 21 years old maybe. I was surprised that at 21 years old, uh, how angry these men were with me. I'd never met them before. I was trying to come work at their church, but they were angry with me. And, and it really was about my resume. And, and uh, it was a bunch of silly things. Um, it was a bunch of silly things, like my resume didn't have any capital letters in it because uh, um, aesthetic, graphic-wise, that was, that was in style back you know, in, in 2002. And, uh, and, and as I began to talk about my philosophy of ministry and my heart for kids who don't know the Lord and what I was gonna do to get kids in their church, they really rejected that idea. And they began to, well, that's good for kids not in the church, but what about the kids in the church? And what are you gonna do for the kids in the church? And what if the kids from outside of the church are a negative influence to the kids inside of the church? And they began to ask all those questions. And I was really shocked because I had never, I had never met people who were, you know, reading between the lines, who were really quite adamant. We don't really want unsaved kids here. We're not hiring you to reach kids who don't know Jesus. We're hiring you to take care of the kids who are within our church. And I, I had heard about things like that, but I'd never experienced it. Surprisingly, they didn't offer me a job, uh, but I would not have taken it anyway. It doesn't matter what they would have paid me. I would have not have stepped into that culture. These men, these leaders within this church, they didn't care about teenagers that were outside of the church, that were outside of the kingdom of God. Here's what that break, they were not evil men, they were just confused men. Because they didn't know God's heart for the lost. Maybe they had never been taught it, maybe they had never studied it, maybe they had never understood it, maybe they were never discipled in it, maybe they just forgot it, but they never knew God's heart for the lost. And so honestly, it's a place of not anger toward them, but of compassion toward them. Because if you don't know God's heart for people who are far from him, man, you're really missing out. You're missing out on a lot of miracles. You're missing out on a lot of joy. To know God's heart for people who are far from him really changes your entire perspective on who God is, on how God acts and functions, on how church is and what church should be, and how we are unified as a church. There's a chance, though, that you don't know God's heart for the lost either. You don't know God's heart for people who are far from him either. And there's a chance maybe that you just forgot. Just because of life, just because of sometimes we just jump into a religious mindset of just doing rituals and not following Jesus that you've forgotten. Open your Bibles to Hosea chapter 11, and I want to read you a portion of Scripture 
that is, um, that is beautiful, that shows us a perspective of God in the Old Testament that people ignore or forget about or maybe that never knew. And God is talking to the people of Israel through the prophet Hosea. And Hosea, he, he was a prophet uh, around 8 BC, so quite a few years ago. And he prophesied for almost 38 years in the northern kingdom as the kingdom uh, of Israel was divided into this time as Israel and Judah. And he writes this, and he says this to the people on behalf of God. Hosea chapter 11, and we're going to start reading at verse number one. God says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Let's just stop and reflect on that. So we, God loves us, cares for us. And I, just as long as you guys are paying attention to, I've got some noise starting. Um, and he says, uh, I loved him and, and I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the farther he moved from me offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand, but he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck and I myself stooped to feed him. God is showing us that he didn't just set, re retrieve and set the Israelites free from slavery in Egypt to, all right, you're free, you know, and, and like, like um, Harry and the Hendersons, sorry for such an old movie reference, but like, get out of here, Harry, get out, you're free, get on your own, and like, you know, rejecting them and, and hurting them in order to get them to run away. Um, uh, some would rate that as a as a top five movie all time. It's like Citizen Kane and Harry and the Henderson. So if you've never seen it, uh, just, just for you to be aware of. But, he, but God's heart, you see here, it's not a love because I have to. His heart for the lost is personal. He loves them as a father with his child. He's taking time to teach them. He's holding their hands as they walk together. He's caring for them. And this is the relationship that God wants to have with you. Not I'm your God, you better do what I say, but I'm your God, I'm your father. Let me teach you, let me guide you, let me care for you. God's love is personal. He really does love us and he really does love people who are far from him. In the next couple of verses, he talks through the, the, um, the judgment that they're walking into because they're rejecting him. In the same way, if you think about a child saying, dad, I don't like your rules. I'm like, but you're three years old, but I don't like your rules. I'm going to go play in the street when you're not home, when you're not looking. This is what the people of Israel is doing with God's with God's guidelines, with God's direction. Hey, we'll, we'll be fine on our own. And they're entering into dangerous territory and God's saying, here's gonna be the outcome of playing in the street. Here's gonna be the outcome of rejecting me. Second thing we see is that God's heart for the lost is borderless. 
Though we are reading here about Israel, we can think that God only loves Israel, God only cares about the people within the borders of Israel, but we don't wanna forget that he loves people from all nations, he loves people from all walks of life, and there is no limitation to who he will love, and, there, and, and not even just who, there's no limitation to who he loves right now. Um, uh, something that happens periodically, but, but, but I was brought up in another recent conversation. You know, one of the organizations we support, EG, uh, EGMI, Eastern Gate Ministries International, as they are, uh, as people support them as a nonprofit, people have said to them recently, there's a lot of problems happening here within our own country. I'm just gonna focus all of my giving here within, this own, within our own country. And we forget that God's heart for the lost is borderless. He doesn't just say, hey, just take care of your own. But to be thinking about who else is available, or not who else is available, but who else needs help. As we're pursuing God and kingdom builders, as we're pursuing God with our life, what we've got to realize is that if not only is his love for the lost borderless, but his ability to provide for the lost is infinite. Infinite. Too many babies today. It's infinite. And so if he's telling you to do something, if he's telling you to care for someone, he has ability to allow you to provide for both. We don't have to choose one or the other when we're being obedient to God. Um, we see that God's heart for the lost is big. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse number six, uh, God says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Again, God's not, God, God's not here into... Some, into a, a, a niche market. He's not thinking about only one type of person or one culture of people. His heart is for people of every culture. It's harder for people all the way around the world. Then we see that God's heart for the lost is patient. And this is one of the things that he's showing through the entire story of Hosea. As Hosea married a woman named Gomer who um, who was a prostitute, and even after they were married and he, and he provided everything she, she needed, she continued to live this lifestyle, and he would go and rescue her from this. It's, you know, for whatever reason, she didn't believe in herself, and she wouldn't allow herself to be treated with dignity. The way that Hosea was patient with his wife, God is saying to Israel, I'm patient with you. And God is saying to us, I'm patient with you. Though you continue running back into your former life, I'm gonna continue to rescue you. Will you trust me enough to let you live the rescued life? In, um, in verse number eight of Hosea, Hosea, God says, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or, dis, or, dis, or demolish you like Zeboam? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. Second Peter 3, 9, one of the scripture verses of Restoration Church, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Sometimes people make fun of 
of some theology. Why hasn't, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? People always say he's gonna come back. Everybody says it, it's so stupid, I don't even believe that anymore. What we don't realize is he hasn't come back yet because of his patience. He hasn't come back yet because he's waiting for just one more, one more person, one more heart that's far from him to turn toward him and receive salvation and forgiveness. That's why he's patient. That's why he hasn't come back yet, because he's been waiting for you to come to him. Last thing about this. So we talked about a few things. His, his heart is personal. His heart for the lost is borderless. His heart for the lost is big. His heart for the lost is patient. The one thing we don't want to miss, see, or, 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 or read over here, his heart is for the lost. He's for them. Jesus is interceding for them. He wants them. And the whole story of Christianity is Jesus leaving heaven, becoming one of us, living on this earth, dying on the cross, dying in our place, because his heart is for us. While we were still enemies of God, Jesus died on the cross for us. While we were unable to change ourselves, Jesus through the cross changes us. Luke 19.10. You know, remember here, this is, this is God's heart. For the Son of Man, Jesus, he came to seek and to save those who are lost. He's going to find you. He's going to rescue you. He's not going to let a stone go unturned, a door go unopened to find you and to rescue you and to save you and to change your life. I just wanna pray, will you, will you close your eyes and pray with me? Jesus, we just ask right now for our hearts to be like your hearts. We've let, we've let other things come in and, and, and even politics come into our life and, and we, think about, uh, we think about people as, as as immigrants or illegal aliens or illegal immigrants and think about them in a wrong way. We're not thinking about them with the heart of God. And we'll, we, can let, we can let the government and political, the parties decide who comes in and when and how many people, but here's what we're gonna choose to do. If they're here, we're gonna love them. If they're here and, and, and they don't have a legal right to be here, that's not gonna change how we love them, how we care for them, because your heart hasn't changed for them. And the people in our community, the people in our state, the people in our country, we're gonna love them with the love of Christ, period, no matter what. And we're also, but we're not gonna forget about the people around the world and our heart for kingdom builders. It's not just to do stuff here, not to just take care of here, but that we'll be a light around the world, that we'll be able to show your salvation to the world and we'll do our part in that. And our kingdom builders giving coming up on a miracle offering, it will go around the world. I pray, Jesus, for each of us that as we digest this message, as we think through your word today, you will change our heart. You will restore our heart, take away the cold, dead areas, that the compassionless areas of our life, the graceless areas of our life, and restore it. Change our hearts of stone to the hearts of compassion that you have. May we see people and love people and be concerned for people as you are. For anybody in our services who says, 
Pastor Nate, I don't even know if God would love me, if God would receive me. Listen, God will. It's a prayer that you pray, not to me, but to him. You say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for the things that I've done. I ask you, Jesus, to be my savior and to be my God. And when you say that to him, when you ask him that, he changes your life from the inside out. He forgives you of your sin. He, he adopts you as his own child and a whole lot of things are happening. That's why Jesus said it's like being born again. You're starting a whole brand new life with him and following him. And you can ask him to do that right now in your seat. Jesus, I pray for kingdom builders and miracle offering coming up. Um, I mean, I pray for our teenagers who are, who are already over $5,000 and, and taking the last couple of months to, to, get, to, to give more than they ever have before. I pray, God, that you would uh, that you do a miracle through them and through their faith. God, I pray for us as we begin to pray about what to do. I just pray, I just pray, God, we wouldn't, um, we wouldn't just consider what's easy, but we'd we'd ask you to include us in a miracle. God, that we would do something that you had to do through us. And uh, and we thank you, God, that you'll be faithful to, um, you'll be faithful to allow us to do what what you're gonna ask us to do. And we just pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, will you stand to your feet? We wanna just take a moment and sing as as we end service. I love you and I'm proud of you. And I thank you for being here today.